Welcome back into another episode of Talking Ball, everyone. I'm Pat Leonard, the New York Daily News NFL columnist and Giants beat writer. We have a great guest today, Keon Crossan, the cornerback for the Miami Dolphins, made some big plays in a huge Dolphins win over the Buffalo Bills 21-19. The Dolphins, one of only two undefeated teams remaining at 3-0, entering Thursday night football in Cincinnati. But before we get to the Dolphins, I want to talk about the other undefeated team in the NFL right now, and that's the Philadelphia Eagles, specifically their quarterback, Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is a running quarterback, right? That's what he does. He uses his legs. Defenses, when he came into the league, were daring him to pass, forcing him to pass, believing he couldn't beat them that way. Right now, he leads the NFL in yards per attempt completion, 9.4. The Eagles lead the NFL in yards per game, 447 per. 296 passing yards per game, that's third in the league, 150 rushing. One turnover, an interception, in three games committed by the Philadelphia Eagles. Now you look at the Dolphins, you look at the Eagles. What is the shared quality that these teams have right now at 3-0? Now they're different teams, different rosters. They both have offensive-minded head coaches. You have Nick Sirianni, you have Mike McDaniel down in Miami, and you also have speed and skill, serious speed and serious skill at the wide receiver positions. The Eagles are the only team with three different receivers who have already, through three weeks, caught 45-yard or more passes from their quarterback. That would be, of course, A.J. Brown. Devontae Smith and Quez Watkins. The Eagles and the Miami Dolphins each have completed five passes so far this season of 40 plus. Obviously, you look at Tua Tagovailoa and what he has going with Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill. And the Dolphins' defense did a ton of work, played 90 plus snaps to withstand and, and beat the Buffalo Bills. And the defense deserves as much credit as anybody. But big plays from the Eagles, big plays from the Dolphins have been the difference in these games offensively, especially in a league and a, and a season right now where we've seen a lot of two high safety looks around the league. Points seem to be down. A lot of the explosive offenses we are expecting to take off have not, but these two are. The Eagles are boat racing teams. They were up at halftime on the Minnesota Vikings in week two, 24 to seven. They were up 24-0 at half against Washington. They embarrassed Ron Rivera's team. That wasn't even a game. And Devontae Smith, whew, if the Giants didn't already feel bad about watching him get stolen right out from under their noses in the draft last year when the Eagles and the Cowboys swung that deal, man, oh, man. You're talking about a top 10, top five type talent with the speed, with the athleticism, with the hands. What a player Devontae Smith is. And with A.J. Brown on the field, the Eagles have the kind of firepower where Jalen Hurts' arm needs to be honored because he has the skill position players to take the, the field and stretch it, but he's also improved consistently as a thrower. And I think when we look at Jalen Hurts, 
drafted in the second round, even when that happened, even when Howie Roseman took him, everybody didn't really believe, didn't think, didn't know what he would become in the NFL. But when you look back at his college career, it always stood out to me, and I will never forget. You know, I think sometimes we overthink these evaluations. When he got benched in the national championship game for Tua Tagovailoa in that 2017 national championship game, and Tua helps them, and so does Devontae Smith, to get that victory and win the national title. The mental strength and the resilience that Hurts showed in just sucking it up, biding his time, dealing with that kind of national embarrassment, and then staying ready, staying there, supporting the player who replaced him, and then being available and being prepared and being ready for the moment almost a year later in the 2018 SEC championship game when Tua goes down, gets hurt, and Hurts comes in and leads them to 14 points and a victory. That always stuck with me. There's so much about so many of these players that sometimes we overthink. But I don't think enough attention was paid to the level of poise, maturity, and ability that Hurt showed in that sequence. I think his intangibles are off the charts. He, if, if he's not a franchise quarterback, I don't know who is based on how he acts, how he's playing. And you listen to him after the Eagles games, and this is the scary thing in the NFC right now. If you're looking at the Eagles and trying to compete with them, Hertz is right when he tells his teammates after, especially after the last two wins, that the Eagles are leaving a lot on the table. They're taking these big leads and then they're not stacking in the second half. The defense obviously smothered Kirk Cousins with turnovers forced, Darius Slay, and they have a lot of talent on that side of the ball. But the Eagles haven't even really reached their full potential, and this is what they're doing to teams so far. Now, it's a big one here in Week 4. Eagles against Dougie P., Doug Peterson, and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Peterson, obviously, you look at him right now, Coach of the Year candidate, he, Mike McDaniel in Miami, Nick Sirianni in Philadelphia, obviously you have to mention him as well, but what Peterson has done, I mean, it was nowhere to go but up going from Urban Meyer. And I'm proud to say I think I was on point in predicting that Jacksonville would turn around pretty quickly. But you have to see it before most people are going to believe it. Two and one Jaguars look like they're for real. They're going to win that AFC South division, barring major injuries. Trevor Lawrence, with the kind of talent he has and the kind of coaching he's getting now, sky is the limit for what he's going to be able to do. But this will be a really interesting test for Philadelphia. The Packers were my Super Bowl pick. Their defense obviously continues to be impressive, even though the offense isn't explosive and I really can't tell you what the Rod, what the Aaron Rodgers offense and receiving core is going to look like three weeks from now, four weeks from now, and if they can go all the way, if they don't add to it. And that's the team, I think, that remains 
the the biggest and toughest contender, even when a team like Philly is playing this way and looks like they're separating themselves from the pack. But the Eagles fronts have always been good. Howie Roseman, Jeffrey Lurie, you know, going back to when Peterson was was running the team and now with Sirianni, their ability to stack offensive and defensive linemen and to hit on these players in the draft and to reinforce with depth. That is the recipe for staying relevant in the NFL. Even when the Eagles had a dip, here they are right back in it, looking like a team that nobody wants to play. And it starts up front. I know it's a cliche, but that's exactly where where it is in Philadelphia. But the reason they're at another level right now is because of Jalen Hurts. And Howie Roseman's sitting there now with two first-round picks in next year's NFL draft. And at the moment, it looks like Hertz is the guy. And instead of chasing the quarterback of the future, he has his quarterback in the here and now. And it's scary for the rest of the NFC East right now and the rest of the NFC to look at a team that looks so strong, so complete, and barring injury, looks like they could run away with the division and possibly even with home field advantage if teams aren't able to solve their one-two punch and how could you, given how strong of a running team, how great they are on the ground, how dynamic Hertz and Miles Sanders are with that offensive line in front of them, led by Jason Kelsey at center. But AJ Brown and Devontae Smith, especially with Dallas Goddard at tight end, there's just too many weapons. So a fascinating matchup against their old coach, Doug Peterson. And I think we're looking here at a a team that when all is said and done is for real and has earned every bit of its 3-0 record standing atop the NFL standings alongside the explosive and intriguing Miami Dolphins as a team to be reckoned with for the rest of this year. We'll be right back here on Talking Ball with Keon Crossan cornerback for the Miami Dolphins. All right, welcome back to Talking Ball with Pat Leonard. We have a very special guest this week, Miami Dolphins corner Keon Crossan. The Dolphins, one of only two undefeated teams remaining at 3-0 in the NFL, and Keon has been a huge part of that start. Keon, thanks so much for joining me. No, Thank you, Pat. So Super Bowl champion with the Patriots, played some time in Houston with the Giants, got to know each other a little bit in New York, Mm -hmm. but you are flourishing now in Miami. And let's just start right there. Why are you flourishing so much? Why are you making big plays in key spots on defense like you did against Gabe Davis in, I believe it was the third quarter of this enormous win against the Buffalo Bills? Um, Well, it all starts with um, just – Confidence as a player, first off. Um, obviously, I'm, I'm known widely around the league as just a special teamer. So um, I think I'm, I'm kind of undermined for my cornerback skill and play. Um, so it's not a shock to me that you know, I made the play. It's just, you know, preparation, uh, the belief in, you know, with Coach Boyer and uh, the defensive coaching staff as well as Coach McDaniels, um, believing to put me in that, you know, situation. And no one would make the play. Uh, so it's just preparation, man. And uh, like I say, it's not a shock to me. Maybe a yeah. shock to everybody else. But, you know, I know I'm a pretty pretty solid cornerback. So, uh, you know, I always say, um, you know, opportunity comes. And uh, sometimes it only comes once. And, 
when you do get your opportunity, your chance, just try to take advantage of it. And that's what I did in that moment. Can you walk me through that play? Because I believe it was second and goal from the 11. Mm -hmm. And Josh Allen is one of the, if not the best quarterback in the league. So I guess you got to be ready for the ball to be put anywhere on the field. So can you walk me through how you make that kind of play to base, to force Buffalo to a field goal in what was eventually a two point win. So uh, one of the game winning plays that was made by Miami in that game. I think uh, as a player, you guys understand your personnel. Uh, Gabe Davis is, um, you know, one of the go-to guys, especially in the red zone area. Uh, and, and honestly, the switch um, that was made from me to X um, in that situation, um, obviously, was you know it's kind of like a like an in game situation. You don't really know what's going to happen, but you know things come up, guys cramp, things happen. You just got to be ready to play. So I knew just from preparation, was watching the first half, pretty locked in, seeing what he was doing. Um, but I knew once I got to that red zone area from about the 15 in. I knew Gabe was a big jump ball guy, so I, I was expecting a fade um, or a back shoulder from him just because of, you know, quarterbacks see me out there, they always think height different, but my arms make me like 6'3". So, um, as you can see, it helped me out with the play for sure. Yeah. Uh, but long story short, I expected uh, some kind of fade or back shoulder, so I tried to lock off the inside slant to make sure he does go outside, and then I just tried to play through the V of the neck once I seen his shoulders turn. I knew, okay, it's some kind of like back shoulder play. Obviously, you know, he's a little taller, so he's probably got a little bit more reach. So I try to I always try to play on the come down because uh, you got to get two feet in anyway. So uh, you can jump high as you want, go get the ball, but you got to get two feet in. So once I see him go up, I try to uh, attack the V of the neck uh, and try to get my right arm around his uh, body. So when he goes to tuck the ball, that it catches my hand so I can just flip the ball out, uh, which is kind of what happened. So. Like I say, me and um, Matt Rouge, we work on that a whole lot, which is obviously the defensive back assistant uh, coach. He, I mean, we, we work on that a ton, and um, mm-hmm. as well as um, Pat and uh, Coach Sam and Steve, we work on that stuff a lot. So, you know, like I said, it wasn't a shock to me when it when the play showed his face. You know, I was able to, to deliver for my teammates and uh, keep keep the drive going. Did this win mean more? I mean, you guys have beaten three good teams, right? Patriots, Ravens, Buffalo. But with the Bills being in division, mm-hmm. and I believe they had won seven straight against the Dolphins. Obviously, mm-hmm. you weren't here in those previous years. But did this game and this win have a feeling of meaning more to you guys? Um, I think it meant more not because we beat the Bills. Because obviously, um, you know, as players, you, you want to beat every team you face. I think it, it meant more for us because of the preparation that we did all summer. Um, we always, you know, been counted out, you know, even in the first three games, we just counted out. And I think it's just the, the notion of proving media, uh, proving not only to them, but proving to ourselves that we know what we can do, what we prepare for. And um, Coach McDaniels always say adversity creates opportunity. So um, we've won three games, um, and I think this is what's, what matters to us a lot. We've won three games in three different fashions. We was up in the first game versus the Patriots the whole game. Second game was down the entire game versus the Ravens. And third game was a tight battle all game when it comes to finishing. And I think when you see that as a team, you know that, okay, we're moving into the right direction. Um, Now how consistent can we be in holding and um, continuing to develop good good routine aspects as far as finishing games, playing well, complimentary football, and obviously – winning, which is what we're all trying to do here. 
Why does or how does Mike McDaniel get you guys to believe in buy-in? Because it's funny. I I know he's a smart football mind. You can Mm -hmm. see that people respond to him. But he's 39 years old, and he looks like you'd like to just sit on the couch and hang out and talk rather than he'd be giving some fiery speech at halftime of an NFL football game. Mm -hmm. But obviously the results are right there for all of us to see, one of only two undefeated teams in the league. Can you take us kind of behind the scenes of how he – gets the team going, how he gets you guys prepared, and why so far he's been the right coach for this team? I think in many situations, you think of a coach and um, you think rah-rah, get the team ready, big loud speech, you know, you know, get a fire lit onto you. And uh, I think he just keeps it very plain, Jane, and simple. And he, he speaks about reality. And the reality is you may be up in some games, you may be down in some games, and the, the problem isn't, where you're at in in that situation, the problem is how you respect, how would you respond in those situations, and mm-hmm. uh, you know the simple solution that we that we always say, like you said, is you know adversity creates opportunity. If you're down, find a way to get you know to st- stay together and uh, figure a way to dig it back, dig yourselves out the hole. If you're up, how consistent can you be to continue to play well to hold the league? And if it's a tight game, I mean, at the end of the day, as long as we're all doing our job, our one eleven, and continue to play as a team. That's what motivates us. It's, you know, it's not a big rah-rah speech. It's just understanding the reality of what the game brings. And then at the end of the day, if you mess up, you know, hey, it's not the you're not the first player to mess up. You won't be the last player to mess up. And at the end of the day, you know, he gives you that confidence. Um, I'm sure, as you can see in Tua, uh, it gives you just that confidence, man, that that you can break through a, a, a brick wall. You know, founded by a metal plate. You know, he just gives you that confidence that you that helps you know that you can really, you know, be somebody and, and uh, be the best player that you can be, um, not only for this football team, but, you know, to for yourself and for your own personal goals as well. So Tua, I'm glad you mentioned him. <laughs> so how much of what he's doing is it was already there and just the doubters didn't know. How much of that is Mike McDaniel just instilling a little bit of belief and self-confidence and positive reinforcement? And how much of that is – two speedsters out on the outside and hey, it's easier to throw the ball downfield when Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle are mm-hmm. are running, you know, four threes. No, first off, I think any kind of level of confidence from any coach gives, you know, the player that that edge. You know, if you get a coach that's gonna keep beating you up, knock you down and and what so forth, uh, have it be, I think, you know, that shows a different obviously reaction because every player is different, every coach is different. But I think in the situation with uh, McDaniel and Tour, I think they just have a great connection. They understand each other, and um, you know it's just a great chemistry they have going on. And uh, you know, like I say, they went out and scouted and and recruited some great guys such as Tariq and um, brought guys in to make sure that we have um, threats uh, for him. And I think you know everybody grows as a player. You know, Tua's. I mean, he was a young player, you know, a couple of years ago. So there's a learning curve that you have to get past. You know, that's for every position. Um, and the quarterback position is one of the hardest positions on the field. Um, so I think once, you know, I'm sure he's, as you can tell, his, his play development has grown tremendously. He has some guys he can throw to. And uh, at the end of the day, he has a confidence that of a lion that you can't shake. So. At the end of the day, man, you know, kudos to to Tua, man, and uh, I I hope he has great success in his career, and I hope he continues to have success this year and keep proving those doubters wrong. I always tell him before the game, hey, 
You don't got to prove it to nobody but yourself, dude. Hmm. That's a great thing for him to hear from from a guy who has good perspective on the game. I I listened to you talk about the offense, talk about how the defense is coming together. What was the offseason in camp like? It sounds like it must have been so competitive. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, first of all, with the speed on both sides of the ball, and then now us seeing Tua throwing these deep shots, you know, the two touchdowns in the comeback against the Ravens, the 45-yarder to Waddle, which is one of the plays of the game here against mm-hmm. the Bills on a touchdown drive. Yeah. Were you seeing these things happening in practice? And then how much were you and the corners and the secondary getting out of facing this offensive attack? I mean, yeah, we see a lot of this at practice. Like I said, it's nothing new to us. Um, yeah. We, we see it, and we love to see it, especially from our offense because we know they're explosive. And um, like I said, it helps us out as DBs, not only uh, in defense mode, but also to um, see those type of routes because, obviously, we're going to get them in a the game. Obviously, you know, a lot of people always question our secondary, you know, are they good? Are they down with Byron, this and this? It's always something. So, you know, I always say, like, the no-name the no name defense of the 72 team um, – Everybody's just out here to play and, and make a play, man. Uh, at the end of the day, we're playing good team ball. And, you know what I'm saying, whether it's two in the duos or, you know, even Rivercraft coming in, stepping in and doing this thing, man. Or it's X on the defense with E-Rob and um, uh, Christian. It's just everybody's making a play. Um, and everybody's just um, bought into the process of the preparation that we've done all summer. So, like I said, in the, I mean, in the, in the summer, we had – I would say 100, 100% of the guys here. You know what I mean? You know, so, wow. I mean, we was really brought in. Um, you know, a couple guys may have had little things here and there, you know, but most for the most part, you know, on a daily average, it was about 98% of guys that was there. And the other couple percent was getting themselves ready for the season. So we was brought in for sure. Yeah, no, that's a great way to start a new regime. I noticed on – on um, Instagram, you gave credit to Nick Needham particularly, mm-hmm. and I was going through some of what he's been playing through or doing, and I saw he played 26 snaps against Baltimore. He plays mm-hmm. 90 against the Buffalo Bills, mm-hmm. you know, the Super Bowl, everybody's Super Bowl favorite going into the season, going yeah. into this game. Did he acquit himself, and how, how proud were you of, of Nick and what he did bouncing back that quickly off of the Baltimore game? Um, you know, I, me and Nick is, you know, I always say it's, you know, it's like a personal issue with that guy, man. I love that guy, like my brother, as well as Cater, man, those guys, man. And, um, obviously, uh, I love all the other guys as well, man. Don't get him mistaken. But, you know, I just, yeah. you know, it's, it's a difference when you're an undrafted guy or you're a seventh round or, you know, you guys have just some kind of a different bond, you know what I mean? Because it's hard, like you, you get it, it's, it's a little bit harder to make it in the league when you're, Late round guy or undrafted guy, no question. So, um, you know, it's, it's almost like their paths run the same. So, you know, if I see them struggling or if I see, you know, a little doubt or anything in either in any guy, honestly, I try to do my best to say, hey, bro, it's not the end of the world. We're going to be all right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, just keep try to build confidence in guys. And I tell the team all the time, like, you know, at the end of the day is, you know, we all going to make a mistake. It's how quick can we lift each other up and say, hey, we got your back. And um, especially in the back end, it's got to be a next play mentality. So I just let guys know, especially like Nick, you know, hey, I got your back, bro. Don't worry about it. Next play, you're good. You know, so I think he proved that. Um, he's going to continue to prove that. And uh, like I said, he stepped up in a big time play back to back, I want to say, in the game um, 
I think it was on a, one of those last two drives. He just, I mean, he just did what he had to do. And I was just proud, man. And it kind of was a weight lifted off of his shoulders because, you know, that's that confidence that you need as a player, especially as a defensive back, to know that you can make that play. You know what I mean? Definitely. And so, uh, you know, kudos to Nick, man. Like I said, kudos to Nick. And also, man, X made a good play. I mean, just kudos to the guys, man. Cater's been playing well. Uh, like, everybody's been doing what they had to do to, to make sure the team win. And, um, and that's what we're here to do. Yeah, and that includes you. And, I, you know, I remember when you were here with the Giants, played a yeah. lot of special teams. Every time they sprinkled in a defensive snap, even if it was in practice, you balled out. You made the play. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I watched back this, this game and, again, this Dolphins-Bills game. And on special teams, you're doing your thing. Like I see you mm -hmm. fight through a double team twice as a gunner on punt, one yeah. time to make a tackle. Another time you and Justin Bethel combined to down Morstead's punt at the two. Mm -hmm. Do you think that when you make those plays as consistently as really you have through your career on specials, does that help you get the opportunities that you get on defense like the one in the red zone and to make a play? Or are those things separate? Like do you have – special teams where everybody knows you're an ace, you know, you get three year contract as a free agent, the Dolphins mm -hmm. value you, prioritize you. And then is the defensive part of it of earning snaps in a secondary separate, or do you see like a way to earn those by what you do? I think it's always a correlation, honestly. Um, <laughs> you know, I had a, I had a, a guy tell me, I think it was uh, when I was a rookie and it was, it was Jason McCourty and he was telling me about his career and all that good stuff. And, uh, you know, he started on special teams and all that good stuff. And uh, he was like, you know what? If you're a solid special team guy, one thing for sure, you'll be at the game. He said, and the best ability is availability. So if you're always at the game, they're going to find a way to keep using you um, as long as you're producing. Um, and obviously, I've been producing, you know, for, for my recollection, that every team I've been on, I've led the team in special team tackles. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, I'm I'm pretty a solidified tackler, and you can find a way to use speed, uh, my speed on defense. So, um, I think those two entities are different in some sense because, uh, you know, special teams obviously help uh, field position, but at the end of the day, like uh, I don't see a true trend or correlation other than availability. Just being at the game, being able to be available for the team, um, but you still have to earn. Um, your right to play on special teams, you have to earn your right to play on defense. And obviously defense, you know, is a little bit more, I would say, uh, tempo and shorter plays. Special team is kind of like, hey, free play type deal, just go make the play. Um, so I think uh, and, and they're a little different, but they kind of correlate and they have some complementary to each other. Does your relationship – uh, going back to your rookie year with Josh Boyer, the defensive coordinator now, uh, has that made your assimilation into the system and has has that made that quicker and easier? Not that it wouldn't be anyway for you. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're a vet, but and th is that also a level of trust from a coordinator that uh, assures you that it, it is a meritocracy and when you do make a play that you are going to see those types of snaps again? Um, I think uh, what I like about what I always like about Josh is that um, even from a rookie, it wasn't just a one man's you know play to make or one man's you know, P PT. It was whoever earned it, and it's it's week to week base. Um, 
like I said, I mean, you can play good one week and they see a matchup this week and, you know, it may change. So it just it just depends on what they see. But obviously, obviously it's a production based business. So, you know, as long as you're producing, he's going to find a way to put you on the field. And uh, at the end of the day, I you know, he don't do favors. I tell you that much. It's, it's more of earning your position, earning your spot, earning your playtime. Um, and at the end of the day, when you do that, uh, good things happen. And uh, I think the relationship that we have uh, as far as me and uh, Coach Boris, you know, is a true coach-player relationship. And um, yeah, like I say, he's hard. He, he's hard on me. Because obviously, he drafted me. So he's definitely hard on me. And um, he expects expectation is super high for me. And I wouldn't want to have it no other way. And uh, like I said, I appreciate that because, you know, Sometime in my career, you know, I know the first three years when I was kind of getting bounced around, I was I needed that. You know, I was like, I'm kind of glad he was hard on me for that you know, rookie year because now everywhere I go, everywhere else I go, it's kind of like, uh, that's okay. You know, that's that's pretty. I can deal with that. You know what I mean? You've so, seen worse, yeah, right. Yeah, I've seen I've seen a lot worse. Um, but you know, I appreciate him coaching me hard, and that's what he does. He makes sure that we're all prepared, and um, and you know, once you show him that you can play and he's confident and trusts you as a player, then you'll be, you'll find your way on the field somehow. You know what I mean? So I think that's what he does as a coach. He just, you know, there's no, there's no one player, you know, it's, it's like, you know, whoever's playing the best and, you know, whoever's producing the most is who plays. Yeah. That almost translates to my business too, where I realized that yeah. as much as we all want freedom and things, I respond to structure and mm -hmm. constructive criticism. Like if nobody ever tells you, if everybody always just pats you on the back and says, everything's fine, right. even when it's not, you don't get better. Right. Right. Exactly. So yeah, I think that's good coaching. Yeah. No question. That was actually good. Really good coaching. Um, how was that game exhausting? Because at the end of the, the game, we saw, you know, Josh Allen and some of the bills and your guys defense playing, you know, guys playing like Javon Holland and Nick and guys playing 90, 85 snaps. How exhausting was that for the team and how crazy is it to turn around and play a Thursday night road game against last season's AFC Super Bowl representative in the Cincinnati Bengals? Well, the thing about this, this, uh, the thing about this year here, uh, in this, this particular game, as far as the Sunday and uh, Thursday game, it's hot down here, but it'll be nice and cool down there. So that's always a plus for sure. But, um, you know, I think we got a lot of veteran guys uh, in the sense of um, knows how to take care of the body, knows how to take care of uh, business. And um, like I say, it's part of the business. You know, every team has to go through this uh, quick turnaround and transition. We just well, on the early end of the spectrum, um, but we will be ready and uh, the guys will be ready. And I think at the end of the day, um, the goal isn't just to uh, beat the Bills. The goal is to obviously get to a Super Bowl and uh, win a Super Bowl, but it takes this turnaround to get there. So it's kind of like the next opponent, and we got to face, obviously, Cincinnati um, Thursday on a quick turnaround. So we're going to be prepared for that, and uh, we're going to go out there and do what we need to do to handle business. So listen, since I have you, you know, I have yeah. to ask you. I mean, we talked about some of the special teams' successes. How much? How much stuff are you giving Sherfeld about the butt punt? I mean, is is are you guys giving him a hard time here, or what's going on? Uh, you know, he was in the ice tub yesterday, you know, and uh, we was like, "Hey, man, you're icing your butt on." And he, was like, <laughs> but um, you know what? We're not giving him much, much, uh, much, much, uh, 
yeah, too much of anything on it because that kind of helped us in a way, if you look at it. Uh, those yeah. forces with that ball been in the air was the same three to four seconds that it took to, you know, for I think it was McKenzie caught the ball on the last play to get the ball from the sideline to the middle of the field. So it worked out in the in the, in the favor. So uh, not too much, but like I say, it's something that you really don't um, expect to happen or want to happen in that situation. Um, but in our case, it worked out perfectly fine. That's right. And um, now listen, I, I probably should have told the listeners this right off the bat, but yeah. Keon is Keon, I think might be the fastest person I've ever seen run in person. <laughs> right. And so I have to ask you this, are you faster than Tyreek and Jalen Waddle? Because those guys like watching on TV, mm-hmm. they are burners. I've seen Hill play in person mm-hmm. and I know he is that fast. Yeah, I've never seen Waddle in person, but I've seen you, and you're a burner. So, yeah, have you guys raced? Like, have you figured that out yet? What's going on? Uh, we I think um, we find it more entertaining if we don't race because there's always a notion of who's the fastest, who's the fastest. You know, guys are like, oh, we're gonna, I'm the fastest this week. You know, it's just what it is. You got fast guys all over the world, man. So, um, I think we're more interested in you know winning football games and racing each other. But I will tell you this. Um, I think Tariq thinks he's the fastest guy in the NFL, but I know I'm the fastest guy in the NFL. Uh, <laughs> according to next gen stats, I'm the fastest guy in the NFL. Uh, I've, you know, and uh, at the end of the day, though, man, it's been, you know, it's a blessing, man, uh, to have that and to represent that. And uh, I think I think I can prove that if I can ever get an interception and take it back to the house, I'll get up to about 24 miles per hour and I can just shut everything down. 24. Yeah. Did I, did I hear somewhere you said that you were clocked at a four, two at one point? Yeah. I ran a 24 miles per hour in my pro day at Wake Forest. Uh, I think it was like 24 one or it was, it was something crazy like that. But, um, yeah, this guy was, stupid. yeah was, it was going crazy, man. So, uh, that's younger Keon. That's, uh, I was fresh <laughs> off the track then, uh, <laughs> in the NCAAs, East preliminary. So yeah, I was really ready to roll then. Hey, on the subject of speed, you just jogged my memory of something. I was talking to Adoree Jackson last week in the Giants locker room, mm-hmm. and there was a play in their last game where he kind of went down on the ground, and he's kind of shaking his legs, kicking him, and it looked like he had a cramp or something. Yeah. But I asked him in the locker room, and he said that it was a hot day, and his feet, the bottom of his feet got too hot yeah. on the turf. Has that, has that ever happened to you? I'd never heard of that, but maybe I'm just not fast enough. No, no, they, they, the turf, I mean, you got to think about this as a big patch of rubber and the sun is beaming down on it and your cleats is plastic. When rubber and plastic meets, it just, everything gets hot. So something's got to melt. So what happens is the bottom of your cleats start to give out and melt literally. Uh, so the, the heat from the, from the turf, which is like 10 to 20 degrees hotter than anything else around it, it just, I get the heat got to get somewhere. So it goes into your shoe. And obviously your feet is just collapsed in by the shoe strings and everything. So your whole entire foot, but especially the bottom of your foot, is just burning. So uh, most guys, you'll see some people put water on their feet, which is the worst thing to do because you got to think of water. It's like once you put water on it, what happens to water? It starts to boil. It starts to get hot. So your feet just gets hotter. It's like a reactor. Um, oh. Exactly. So you just got to deal with it. Um, but 
it's tough playing football. It's, it's, it's a lot of other factors that people don't see and that people don't know about. Uh, obviously, they just see the game, and at the end of the day, that's 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 what it is. Interesting. Well, well, we miss you up here in New York, New Jersey, but Thank you, man. Uh, yeah, thrilled to uh, see all the success you're having early, both individually and as a team. And we'll be looking forward to watching you not only against the Cincinnati Bengals on Thursday Night Football, mm-hmm. but throughout the season. And like you said, the end goal is the Super Bowl in Glendale. Hopefully we'll see you guys there, Keon. Appreciate it, guy. All right, welcome back to our two-minute drill. We're going to do a segment called In and Out. Here are teams and players I'm in on and I'm out on. We're going to start with Cooper Rush. I am in on the Dallas Cowboys starting quarterback right now with Dak Prescott out. Cooper Rush, the undrafted free agent out of Central Michigan, playing well under the bright lights on Monday Night Football, beating his former Giants team. 215 yards and a touchdown, and he would have had a lot more if his receivers could catch the football. I am in on Dallas Cowboys tight ends coach, Lunda Wells, the former Giants assistant, and the young bucks he had pushing the Giants around in the run game, Peyton Hendershot and Jake Ferguson. I'm in on Tyler Smith, their rookie left tackle, who acquitted himself well in the spotlight and under the bright lights on ESPN on national television. I'm also in on Daniel Jones as a franchise quarterback, at least in this game, against that pass rush, facing that consistent pressure, facing almost one pressure every two dropbacks this season. The Giants didn't win. The Giants didn't score enough points. They still haven't scored a touchdown in the first half of a game. But Jones looked every bit the part of the quarterback the Giants want him to be against Dallas. He just didn't have enough help from his offensive line and from his wide receivers with terrible drops at the end of the game in the clutch. I am out on Brandon Staley and the Los Angeles Chargers. I wasn't in on the hype train fully to begin with, but I am out on the fact that Staley appears to have abandoned his aggressive mindset and gone conservative early on in that game against the Chiefs. And now I'm out on the fact that Justin Herbert is playing through this rib cartilage injury at the end of a blowout loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Needs to be better leadership there. Chargers need to stay healthy. Injuries seem to be a problem for them every season. But Staley needs to get it together. And above all, He was coaching defense with the Rams. He needs to get the Chargers defense, which added some important and key and valuable and expensive pieces to play better and to carry this team as Herbert heals. I'm still in on the Las Vegas Raiders, but I'll be out if they lose to the Denver Broncos. I don't know how much more I can watch of Darren Waller dropping passes in the end zone of the Raiders starting slow and trying to play catch up. Chandler Jones is one of the best players I've seen play live in the last five or six years or seven years covering the NFL, but I haven't heard his name nearly enough. And that pass rush on the defensive end needs to be better. And Devontae Adams needs to be more a part of the offensive game plan. And Derek Carr needs to raise it to the level that he was playing at the end of last season. I am out on the Vegas sports books, and I'm half joking here, but get this. The Chiefs were favored by six and a half points going to Indianapolis last week. 
and I was talking to a good friend of mine, you know, we're always talking about the betting lines and he has a great mind and eye for, for everything regarding the sports books, line setting and how it all goes in the NFL. And neither of us could figure out why that line was low. Yes, yeah, six and a half seemed low going into that. My only thought was that Harrison Bucker is out, the kicker for the Chiefs, and maybe that accounted for a point here and there. But the Colts hadn't been able to do anything offensively. They got shut up by the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then sure enough, we're raising our eyebrows. We walk into the game. The Chiefs are muffing punts. They're faking field goals and failing. The Chiefs are shooting themselves in the foot and the Colts win outright. I don't know what these sports books and these odds makers, I don't know where they get their information ahead of time, but man, what a scary line that was. And hopefully you didn't put your money down on Kansas City, as I certainly would have if I were able to going into that game against Matt Ryan's desperate Colts team. And I am in on Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. Maybe not the Ravens' chances at going all the way. Their defense isn't as good as it needs to be. But I am in on Lamar Jackson being in the MVP race and continuing to be one of the best players in the NFL and continuing to deserve a monster mega contract from the Ravens' front office. That'll do it here for another episode of Talking Ball. See you next time. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.